We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by ZoneCoverage.com and the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. Today is April 16th, which means it's been 37 days since the Minnesota Timberwolves have played a basketball game. Isn't that isn't that crazy? I'm joined today here by uh, my friend, Will DeBerg, uh, who is a college basketball coach at the University of, University of St. Thomas here in Minnesota, soon to be Division One. right? When, when is that happening? Uh, officially the start of 2021. So one more season uh, at Division Three, and then so fall of 2021, we'll be joining the Summit League. So how does that, like, impact recruiting now? Like, if you – because you would be recruiting this year for Division Three players and next year for Division One players? Right. So it's been <laughs> – we haven't really been able to recruit seniors that much because everybody knows that we're – Right, going Division One. You like out recruit them the following year. Yeah, so it was complicated, and then you throw in the coronavirus, and now it's kind of killed pretty much all recruiting. (laughs) There's no AAU. Winter basketball seasons have been canceled, so it's uh, it's been interesting. So Will and I are friends. We're coaches at St. Thomas. Um, You you played overseas a little bit um, after college, where you played at St. Thomas as well. Basically, we've just been texting <laughs> a bunch over the this dead month about draft prospects and just decided that maybe we should just record ourselves talking about it um, together. So for those of you who listened to last week's episode, um, it's going to be kind of the same sort of thing where we're going to look at two prospects. Last, last week, we looked at Anthony Edwards and James Wiseman, but specifically through the lens of what these guys could or would look like on the Timberwolves. So... We've kind of been texting back and forth, Will, about, you know, what we think. What I've been saying with all these guys where I was talking about Aaron Gordon and I've talked about trade prospects is like archetypes because I think that's so important um, in like specifically with Rosa's kind of running the show. Right. Because 
it's just not like positions one, two, three, four, and five. Like we, we, were, we were texting last night about you were watching the, the Celtics rerun, 2020, 2010 finals, right? Oh, yeah. And they're, and they're playing, uh, you know, they're playing Rasheed Wallace and KG at the same time. Or the 2004 Western Conference Finals was on, and the Sacramento Kings are running high lows with Chris Webber and Vladi Divac. It's every honestly game. a different sport. In the in the ten and going back to 2004, it's watching it. It's like it really is the spacing. All five guys on defense are in the lane, like they're getting back in transition to get to the rim and then find you know their guys. Whereas nowadays, it's like find the shooters in transition. And back then, it was just. It's not that long ago either. That's the thing. It's not like not even 10 about, years. Yeah. I, I think that like, so the biggest thing there is that it changes the type of players you want to put on the floor. If you're literally using players in different positions on the floor, the positions should change. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, so now, and then I think there's like different teams in the NBA on the spectrum of like, you know, kind of holding on to that somewhat antiquated, you know, style running, you know, sort of traditional two bigs or, you know, one, two, three, four, five sort of thing. And then we have like Houston on the far other end of the spectrum. Right. There's like whatever position you want to play, like go ahead. And I don't think people are even like really keyed on this yet because the Wolves are so bad this year. But like the Wolves, the Wolves are like the Houston and they're like maybe the next closest in like what they're thinking. So I think it totally changes the way that like you and I have to talk about the draft through, through that sort of lens because like, yeah, we could have a conversation of like, Oh, what would we do? And I'd be like, well, let's get a power forward and that, but it, it's, it's just, it's just totally different. Right. Well, I think that's the fascinating part about the draft too. It's like how you want to play versus like the type types of guys you need to play that certain system. And I think as far as the draft goes, like figuring out how you like, it's the trade off between the best player available and how you want to play and kind of coming up with that, medium is the super fascinating part about the draft right it's like a it's like a math equation right right and i mean that's I don't know, we could maybe talk about this after we do after we go through like obi Toppin and, and cole anthony but for me now having dug into this for a while and i'm just looking at anthony edwards and i'm like that's the best basketball player i mean that's like the best if we're talking about the math equation i just feel like he's going to dominate that math equation right. from from a physical standpoint where you go i don't know i I'm going to be very surprised if somebody doesn't take him first overall. That's not to say he doesn't, you know, ha have flaws and stuff, but but really having a guy who you know you feel confident in being able to play in numerous different positions. Right. That makes a huge difference. Well, I think especially as far as the Wolves go, if you're set on Cat as your or as Cat yeah. at the 5 and at Russell the at the 1, then yeah, it's a no-brainer to take the best wing prospect available. I think so too, which which makes this you know, a little bit complicated when we talk about Obi Toppin and Cole Anthony because you kind of got to, like, stretch or, like, squint to be able to convince yourself that those guys can play more than one position. And, but the reality of the situation is, is the Wolves aren't necessarily going to have the number one pick. Right. And and be be choosing between Anthony Edwards and Obi Toppin. Like, we, the Wolves could be at six. Right. And then And then it becomes a real question of, you know, are Obi Toppin and Cole Anthony the top two on your board? You have to start thinking about, well, how would those two fit in, in the context of this team? Right. And I feel like the Wolves, we've probably been saying this for the last X amount of years, but it's like, are we at the point where we draft based on need or are we still in that position as a franchise where we draft the best player available? 
And I feel like that's the question we've been asking ourselves for ever <laughs> for years. <laughs> but I think now it's like you have a foundation of a point guard and a center. Um, now it's a matter of just filling in the two, gaps. three, and four. So let's start with Obi Toppin. Um, he is the best college basketball player available. I would agree. In in just in you and I both went through and watched all of his synergy of like and c- comparing it to the other guys like. That dude is the best at playing college basketball, and it's not close. Right. Obviously, for anybody who's paying any attention to this, the, the major mark against him is that he's 22, right. when an Anthony Edwards is 18, or Cole Anthony's 19, or whatever. I mean, he's, he's older than the rest of these guys, but he still pops as one of the best, the best players available in this. So before we go and like talk about c- – because for me, at least, my opinion evolved from just like – sparingly watching him play college basketball this year to now to now digging in what was your like during the season during the fall before the whole shutdown like your boilerplate kind of view of Obi Toppin well I think to start like anytime a school like Dayton or a non-power five school is one of the best teams in the country Mm -hmm. you have to kind of be like what is like what's going on they must they must have somebody they must be doing something well or they must have some stud and obviously you dig in a little bit deeper and you look at what Obi has been able to do for them. And I think they were ranked second or third in the country um, in large part to what he, because of what he was doing. Um, So initially that's probably what jumped out first is, okay, he's obviously really, really good. If he's taken Dayton, you know, a mid-major, a really good mid-major, but he's made them a top. He's the one moving the needle. Yeah, He's the guy that's pretty much gotten them to be, they were most likely going to be a one seed in the tournament. Mm -hmm. Um, so f- before really diving in, that was like the one thing that's like, okay, he must be really legit if Dayton is this good. So from you and you watch way more college basketball just like regularly than I do. And, and I always, I, I, I can't help it, but like look, look at, watch a college basketball game and look at it through like the lens of the NBA, what this guy, um, what I would think this guy would do at the NBA level. And, and for me, I talked about this on the last podcast too. I start my whole process by understanding like how big they are compared to other NBA level players. Right. And, and that was super interesting last week with Anthony Edwards because he weighs 225 pounds and is six, five. That's, that's very rare. Like that's a thick dude. And then James Wiseman is super outsized. Also seven, one, seven, six wingspan. Like it's, it's hard to find players who are those, those sizes. Now, Obi Toppin, it's not like, <laughs> there's tough. Been, well, th- there's there's like six like six nine guys. So so Obi Toppin is six nine, six eleven wingspan, two hundred twenty pounds. That's what all like the publicly available information is. And there's very different types of players who who are that size. And so I kind of just like went through the the past drafts and like put them into three different groups w- where it's like guys who have or could play center in the league. Small ball power forwards are that same size. And then the third group I did was guys who were good in college who fizzled out at at the pro level. And so just to list a few of them, like the guys who have or could play small ball five, John Collins, I think, is a main one. He's 6'9 and a half, 6'11 wingspan, 225. Marcus Morris, who's been playing center for the Clippers, 6'9, 6'10, 230. Marquise Chris, um, 6'10, 7'2, 233. Tristan Thompson, 6'9", 7'1", 227. And then Jordan Bell, who's on the Wolves this year, he's about the same size as him. 
Those guys are fives, right? right. Or you, you, could, you could put them into a small ball five role. Now it gets weird, though. There's <laughs> dudes who are the exact same size and shape who you're like, this might be a small forward. Right. Paul George. Like, Paul George yep. is 6'9", 6'11", 220 at, at, at his combine. Kyle Kuzma, 6'9 and a half, 7'2", 223. Like, that's a small forward, power forward. Kevin Knox, two years ago, 6'9", 7'2", 213. Aaron Gordon and TJ Warren, those guys are all the same size too. I wouldn't think about those guys. I, I mean, maybe you can convince me Aaron Gordon could be a super small ball five, maybe. But don't, don't you think of all those guys as not wings, but like forwards? Definitely perimeter players, guys who handle the ball, guys who can shoot threes, guys. Center would not be how I would describe any of them. Yet, I think with Obi Toppin, we're thinking about him as a center. Yeah, right? we, we texted the other day about it. I think... I think he almost has to be a five, like, like, like a hundred percent a center. There's no, he's not going to play any four, not going to play any three, obviously. And like so the that's five why you, you, you scratch off that whole list yeah. of the of the small ball forwards, right. and you hope he can be the John Collins. But then there's this list too, which is guys who are that size, good in college, fizzled out in the league. It's pretty much all white dudes <laughs> who just like Tyler Hansbrough, six nine and a half, six eleven and a half, two thirty. Sam Decker, Sam Decker is like the best one I could find. 6'9", 6'11 and a half, 219. That's exactly what Obi Toppin is. Sam yeah. Decker was also a good athlete too, like a very good athlete. Which is crazy to me because I think there are probably people out there who view Decker as like a two or a three, like more of a two than a four. Yet he's the exact same yes. height, weight, and wingspan when he went pro as when Obi Toppin right. is going pro. The other one that, that stood out, and this is maybe kind of a deep dive, I actually texted you about this one, is Perry Ellis. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's still just like Kansas still, still playing. <laughs> he was six, eight, six, 10, you know, two eighteen. Um, Kyle Singler, a Duke guy. Yep. He's six, eight and a half, six, 10, two twenty eight. So it's like, so my question is then, does it matter? Like how much I think traditionally like looking at size and, and, and length and all that like determines position, how much of that really matters right now in the NBA? Well, I, I think it does because because I think that's what holds back a Tyler Hansbro from having made it. I, I think that, you know, I, I think you needed not just athleticism, but more size at that position. Like I watch Obi Toppin play. And I think the fact that he has a six eleven wingspan really hurts him in contesting shots, whether that be out on the perimeter right. or at the rim. And if you're playing him as the five, as your rim defender, that's an issue. Totally. And I mean, we, we can get into his whole athletic profile and, you know, people have bagged on his lateral quickness, quote unquote, tight hips, all that sort of stuff, which is real, but not at the end of the day. At the beginning of the day, I'm just looking at this and I'm like, well, and he, so he's man. got a 6'11 wingspan and he's only 220. So he's not going to be able to protect the rim and he's going to get buried defensively guarding 260 pound centers. So, so this is, so I was the last bit of film I was watching was they lost only two games this year. They lost an overtime to Colorado and they lost an overtime to Kansas. Combined like six or eight points or something like that yeah. all year. So I was like, okay, I'm interested in those two. Yeah. Which is unfair to like nitpick, but I mean, I mean, he was so good at college that I felt like, you know, I had to look at that and that game against Kansas, they got the Azabuki guy. Yep. Uh, a Yudoko Azabuki, I think. Yep. Who's seven feet, 260. And they were just like, we're going at him. We're going at Obi here through this guy because he's so much bigger and stronger right. than him. 
Um, and then there was like, even they put like UMass a couple times. UMass had like a 6'11 center. A lot of teams went at Obi even just in post-ups. Yeah. Like to your, what you just said, trying to bury him underneath the hoop. If he's getting buried underneath the hoop at the college level, I'm concerned about that. Right. And then so the other, so the argument then was we'll play him at the four. And then the other knock is he's very laterally slow. The Colorado game. Yes. And with, with him getting switched out onto the perimeter, and it's just like inside-out dribble, he gets blown by layup, they take the lead. Like that, that's overtime. I mean, in high leverage situations, he just, he, he didn't do that. Now, I feel like we're laying all the we're, groundwork. We're knocking him bad right Because I think he's equally as talented and on offense. Um, to anyone. Yeah. I think if you watch him on offense, he shoots it well for his size. He dunks every, I mean, he's a, he's a, don't take this the wrong way. He's a little bit like Zion in the sense that he just dunks everything around the basket. It's it's so it's been so funny watching him like juxtapose against watching some of these other sort of guys because you're like particularly Cole Anthony who can't get to the basket <laughs> to save his life. Yeah. Like you just watch Obi and it's he's so physically imposing offensively that it it kind of shocks me that he's the same this exactly that size. And I I don't get too caught up into like the NBA player comps just because I think it's it's almost impossible cuz everybody's mm-hmm. different and like I get the idea of it but I actually, Kevin O'Connor, his offensive player comp for Obi was Amari Stoudemire, which I thought was great. And his defensive one was Jalil Okafor, which I was like, that's actually really good as far as like his skill level on offense and his skill level on defense. It's, it's as big of a gap as you'll probably see. I think, again, I'm with you too. We way overdo player comps. But Amari Stoudemire and Obi Toppin is like crazy good. Yeah. Because offensively, offensively, but two. Uh, so, so I'm watching yesterday. I really wanted to watch Obi top and play defense. Cause yeah. I'm like, all right, uh, Obi checks every single box offensively. You're awesome. What is holding back this guy on so many, so many people's draft boards from not being number one. And it's, you know, it's pretty clearly the defense and he's just so upright. And it looks like, 50 pounds of his 220 pounds are like his shoulder blades. Right. He's got such a weird body. I'm like, dude, that's what Amari Stoudemire looked like too when he played yeah. defense. Like it's just really weird, like upright legs, kind of hunchback sort of thing going on. And so it's just. Was Amari good at defense? I don't even remember. Was he a, a well, but average? That, that goes back to our whole, <laughs> goes back to our whole 2010 point where it's like different league yeah totally like, who knows if Omari came in now you'd be like party be like oh he'd be awesome because you'd be this rim rolling center and he'd be you know he'd be great but he'd be guarding in space every single possession when he's on defense and who like that so so here, here's the thing I, I think with this defense is we get we get way too into it with the draft where we go we love the guys the prospects who you go this dude could be an absolute lockdown defender in the league. Right. Just true. Like Matisse Thibel last year, right? Like everyone is like loves Matisse Thibel for that. And then we go the way other side of the spectrum and go, this dude is going to totally get toasted, totally get toasted. You watch an NBA game. It is a gradient. Like you have good defenders, you have bad defenders, and there's a lot of guys in the middle. Right. And I think that's what Amari Stoudemire was. I think that's what a lot of – all NBA guys are in the league are okay defenders that 
they can turn it up and be a little bit better, and they could turn it down and get cooked sometimes. And I feel, and I feel like we've been kind of knocking Obi a little bit here, but if depends on who drafts them. If they can find a way to to make it work on defense, he doesn't need to be a lockdown defender, but if they can find a way to hide him and he'll get better and he'll kind of learn the system. So how do you do that? Well, to your point, you we were texting a little bit about it. Like, I think, was it the... When was Wiggins drafted? 14? 2014, So yeah. this is this was the point you made the yeah. other day, but Wiggins was supposed to be this all-world defender. He's 6'8", he's long, jumps out of the gym, like on paper, checks all the boxes. Defensively, yep. Defensively. Supposed to be a defensive stud. Not good. Yep. Right? Just not a good defender. Mm-hmm. 2015, it was... Cat. Cat. Cat was supposed to be this elite rim protector, kind of, you know rebound and block shots and do all these things and his offense was going to come but like the one thing he was for sure going to be able to do was defend Defend. the rim no no ben simmons 2016 lazy not (laughs) can't guard anybody in college like they're who's he going to guard in the nba now you watch watch more nba than i do but arguably the best defender in the league so my point is like we have good ideas but we don't really know until these guys get with the nba coaches and get with their systems and really see them on an NBA floor before we – it's hard to predict. Totally. A defensive speci- defense specifically. To play devil's advocate to my own point, the issue with all three of those players, Wiggins, Cat, and Simmons, why those, those projections proved wrong was all about mentality. For sure. Believed Wiggins was going to bring a defensive mentality, which he only did sparingly. But you know what? When Wiggins did bring a defensive mentality, he was actually a he solid defender. He blocked James Harden once. <laughs> That you got that you got cat. I, I think it what proved was I, I don't even know if mentality is the right word, but he he has such a busy mind that he got distracted defensively and, and has struggled for mind stuff, not for physicality. And then Ben Simmons, that was the same thing. It had nothing to do with he had this off, awesome frame at LSU and athleticism, but it was about, you know, committing it. So you had three great bodies there. Obi Toppin is not D- defensively. He doesn't have that. He he gets he he gets cooked off the dribble a lot. And so that's what I was expecting when I was going to digging into him. Was like, all right, this dude's just going to get moved on the perimeter, like and blown by all the time. That happened. But he also, I think, what I'm more cons- not more concerned about his defense. I just assumed he'd be a solid post defender. He's not. No. So so that's what's concerning to me. And when I, that, that's why I ask you is like, okay, let's hide him on our team defensively. Well, where? Right. I think that's the, that's the question. I think it, it, he would need to, at least early on, until maybe he gets all that coaching, he would need to be like in a system on a team with three or four good defenders where he's the one they're kind of covering for. I mean, on paper, who is his – like if you're playing – name your random NBA team who is like the best matchup for him to guard is it like a stretch four who's not that athletic who's just like spots up or is it a slower scent like who after watching some guy just who's standing in the corner like if he guarded the like if he was a starting center on another team in the league who would he guard on the Wolves um yeah I think you would want to put him on Hernan Gomez right okay not not on cat I mean cat I think would, would crush him in the post right I think, yeah, but but then, but then I think if you can, if you can get Hernan Gomez moving a lot to like spot up around the arc, you know, then Obi's got to chase him, right? And then and then I think even worse if you can then get Hernan Gomez like cutting off of that, like oh he looks like he's like 
jutting out to like spot up from above the break. And then he cuts off of that. Like Obi <laughs> will still be sprinting out to above the break while, <laughs> while Hernan Gomez is like behind his back at, at that sort of point. So it's kind of like, I think it would be team to team. I think he'd be, re- he'll be really matchup dependent next season. I mean, if he's like on the Cavs or whatever, they'll let him, you know, just work through it. But if he is on like the Warriors or if he is on, I don't know, some team that is like has playoff aspirations, I think it'll be really, it'll be situational. Like you can start him against a team that doesn't really have a five that's trying to post up at all. Like, I think you're, you'd, you know, you'd be, you'd be good there, but I, I don't know, man, I, I watched it and, and I, I am, I'm more concerned about the defensive stuff than I thought, even, you know, even to the whole, even to the whole like Wiggins cat Simmons thing, it's just, it, there, there are really, there's physical concerns there, not mental concerns. That said, he tries on defense. Like he, he is like active and, and wanting to be good. Well, and not that, I don't know how much this means, but Dayton's team defensive numbers this year were really, really good. Mm. So I don't know. And I don't know much about the rest of their guys, if they have elite defenders right. all over the court, but it means something that they're not getting torched with him in For college. Sure. Um, so the question is going to come down to does his off, because we both think he could be, especially in the right system, unbelievable on offense. He can shoot it. He's going to dunk everything around the rim. I actually think he's a pretty good passer. Like when he picks and rolls and catches in that short corner, like he makes really good reads offense. So the question is going to come down to does his offense outweigh his defense? Like is it worth the liability on defense for the production you're going to get on offense? And I know it does sound kind of hyperbolic, but you brought up Zion. And it's like, if you can get 70% of like the force on the interior of what Zion is doing, and you have the jump shot of right. what Obi is, because like Zion is, Zion is a complete like liability currently to shoot from three. Like, cool, he made four threes in his first right. game. He's but made like, like eight or something. Yeah, yeah, like for, for the year. And like, I, I don't know. And I don't feel like this got out there enough this year. Like Zion sucked at defense right. this year. Right. Sucked. I mean, it and was, it was all the same stuff. It was all the same stuff, right? Just like getting blown by, losing his head, like right. didn't, couldn't pivot and, and move and open his hips. And, and Well, and that's so much. I mean, he's 18 years old, 19 years old. So, so much of it is just getting smarter. Mm-hmm. Like that's like we have guys in college who like – they're six four, six five in college. That's big, yeah. like freak athletes. And they're like, okay, they're gonna, he's going to be able to guard anybody in their freshman year, their sophomore right. year. It's like, can we even play him? By the time <laughs> they're a junior and senior, it's like, okay, they're, they've they've figured it out a little bit. They've it, the game has slowed down for them. And I think we forget how young some of these guys are. Like Zion is like, I don't know, he hasn't played that Many long games. of high level basketball. Sure, but then Obi has. Yeah. Well, okay, yes and no. I mean, he's only. A sophomore on paper like he yeah. played, that's true no you're right you're he right. Played, he's, so I, he's older he's not correct experienced, experienced. yeah so true. like a little bit of back like so he only played one year of high school basketball varsity basketball he was on jv as a junior he was like six two so he kind of grew into this body he was a six six senior and then went to prep school then had a set out a year so he really hasn't although he's 22 and is the same age as seniors mm-hmm. he hasn't played nearly as much as you would think a 22 year old has which I don't know if that means anything, but I think it's worth noting that, like... Well, it, it suggests... Well, no matter what, when you're older, your time to, like... You're closer to your prime. You know, like, right. you have, like, less development time. Yeah. But I, I think where your point is 
right is that like he he hasn't played that much. That he could he could still improve a lot as like a learner. Correct. And and that that's the difference is like you know, I brought up like Tyler Hansbro at, at another play. Tyler Hansbro played I didn't play all four years. All four years, yeah. Yeah, like in a major, a major. <laughs> like so, so yeah. He, he, you're right. He shouldn't be viewed as a senior because he's literally not. Right. He, he's played. He played two years. John Moran played two years. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like, yeah. Exactly. The the concerning thing about the ages, and we texted about this, but like if you look historically at 22 year olds who've been drafted in the top yeah. five or ten the last ten or fifteen years, it's not. I think there's two of them and. Wolves yep. fans aren't going to like this, but it's Chris Dunn a mm. few years back, and then Wesley Johnson back whenever, whatever year that was. So it's the history yeah, of twenty-two-year-olds being taken in the top ten isn't great, but Obi might be a little bit different. It, it's just the, the age stuff and all this is just so is just so interesting. It's and fascinating. I, I can go both ways on it. Like I can convince myself where I'm like, who cares? Twenty-two still young. Then I think about it, and I'm like, think about. Uh, Anthony Edwards, I'm like, dude, he isn't 19. Right. He isn't 19 until August. Right. Like that is that is so incredibly young, and I think when you're when you're so young and still so physically gifted, like with Edwards, where he's just already like a man body, 225. Right. Like, okay, so what happens when he's like after two years in the league of an NBA weight program? Right. Like. Whereas with Obi, he this is probably what he is physically, which is great. Right. I I but I don't think there's like. I don't think twenty four year old Obi Toppin is going to be more physically imposing than he is right now. I mean, I would, if he's going to play the five, they're going to have to put ten or fifteen pounds of muscle. But who do you knows? think he only weighs two hundred twenty pounds? Watching him, no. Like Me if neither. You, if you haven't watched Obi, go watch like te- like he is a freak and he does not look like he's 220 pounds. I honestly would have guessed 240. Yeah. Like before I looked at any of this stuff. And so who knows? We're just guessing, but yeah, he looks bigger, a lot bigger in my mind mm-hmm. than 220 pounds. But he literally got he the uh, Nike um Skills Academy thing this past summer, like 2019, he measured 6'8 without shoes and 6'11 wingspan and right. Two, you know, 220 pounds. So it's like he did. I, I don't know. I mean, you can particularly when you're a young man and you're playing, I mean, you could, you could gain weight and lose weight and all that. So I don't know if weight is like the best one to use. And so that's what I was kind of thinking initially, but then I watched him get buried a bunch this right. year against like, I would literally be watching him play and some random dude at like Massachusetts would bury him on the block. And right. I would like search up this guy. I'm like, is this an NBA guy? I don't even know. I've never heard of him before. It's like, no, he's just like a junior who right. averages like 14 points a game. So I, I don't know. I guess so, so to like cap it, I, I went into Obi Toppin wildly impressed by his offense. Didn't really know about his defense because I hadn't really looked at it. But had, you know, it started hearing the noise about lateral quickness, all this and that. And I saw that. Well, and at first, not to interrupt you, at first, the lateral quickness stuff, I was like, okay, who cares? He's 6'10", 6'9", he's a center, mm -hmm. whatever. I don't care if he's laterally slow. But then when you dig into it more and you're like, okay, he gets abused on the block too. That's what I'm saying. Then it's like, okay. That that changed a lot for me. Like, we we like a month back, we got together and we're we're watching some stuff. And I go, how in the hell is Obi Toppin not the first pick? Because if you watch his offense, you're like, 
Yeah. He's the best offensive player ever. <laughs> but I had no idea what his size was, and I hadn't closely watched him watch him play defense at all. And and really, like the he did all the different things on defense. He guarded the perimeter. He guarded the block. They played him up against screens. Like a lot of the times, it was like hard hedges out there, switching back, full on, or like switching back to the big, full on switches. Like he's ran the gamut of all the different things. Right. And I can't be like, well, I can't say one of those things like get a a grade for me. I, I'm glad he's done all of them, but but he didn't appear to be good at anything defensively to me except for trying. So if you're a GM, are you drafting him as a five or a four? Or uh, drafting him as a we'll wait and see? I think he has to be a five. I agree. So so Zach Lowe does this this article called uh, the Luke Walton All-Stars. Um, and it just like came out last week or something. And and I, I read it. And and he kind of he like turns it into like mini profiles on each of these dudes, and one of them was Marquise Chris, who I actually watched like a lot of Golden State once Wiggins went there because I was just like really interested. And I'm like, what the hell? Like Marquise Chris has sucked every time I've ever watched him play basketball, and in every one of these Warriors games I was watching, like dude, he the, objectively like if I forgot the name, like that guy is playing basketball really well. Yeah, and and it's like he was playing the five for them. He was playing the five for them, and he wasn't. And and whereas, like in Phoenix, he's playing next to Tyson Chandler, they're jamming him into the four. Um, then he's like in Houston, he wasn't like a main thing at all, but also kind of like playing the four weirdly next to Capella. And and then like, and Low interviewed him, and and Chris goes, "I was naive thinking I was a four. I realize now the skill set I have is better for center." Yeah. Like, I'm sure it just clicked when he when he was like it just accepted that. And again, so so then I'm I'm looking it up and and. What is I listed it off? Chris is like the exact same size, six ten, so he's an inch taller. Wingspan's one inch longer, and he's like ten pounds heavier. But With, like basically, he's yeah. Obi top in size. And I know it's the obvious thing to say. I do think if Obi went to the Warriors, he might be incredible there. That's and I know I that's like thinking. not like a like a hot like it's like <laughs> the old when everyone's like, oh, if he goes to the Spurs, he's gonna yeah. be like a you know what I mean. So it's not like a. But yes, in that offense, the way he can just like pick and pop or pick and roll, and then they can figure out the defense. Like I think he'd be incredible on the on the Warriors. I, I think it will. I think what position will play will depend on what team, though. Like yeah. I think you and I might say he's a five, and we, whatever. If I did one whole Marquise Chris quote, that doesn't mean he's right. actually a five. Right. But like, I, it will depend. It will depend on where he's drafted, what position he plays, because on the Wolves, like, and if you're going to start him, he's got to play the four. Yeah, he has to, and because. Well, you have cat. So you watch way more NBA than I do. How many of like the starting power forwards in the NBA right now are like comfortable going off the dribble? Like most, of almost them. all of them. Yeah. That's the one knock on offense is another reason why I think he has to play the five. Like he does not look good when he's putting the ball on the floor. Like, um, so I kind of disagree because like in full on space. Yes. But like, I really liked when I saw him like in DHO, like, like the one dribble stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. So but is when, that does that count as off the dribble? Well, it's less. I space. guess. Let me re- when he's one dribble where it's obvious he's looking either to hand it off or mm-hmm. pass it. I think he's great, which is right. why I think he'd be awesome on the Warriors because it's just one dribble, mm-hmm. fine stuff, fine clay. You know. Sure. But when he's like two, bam, three bam, dribbles, bam, like yeah. trying to make a play, that's where I felt like he struggled. Yeah, I think what will be big for him, and I again when I was. Going through these players who are the same size. I thought about like Marcus Morris, who's like does get himself in some of those situations, but he could kind of get to like make one move into a pull up 
Right. And I feel like Obi right now is like all the way at the rim or just shoot the three right. from there. If he, I think if he does like, if he exceeds all our expectations and becomes like a all-star, he's, well, one, this, the, we're going to be proved wrong again about <laughs> yeah. the defensive stuff, but he will be that floor spacing five who just knocks down like 38% of his threes. Yep. He will be the force around the rim that he can be. And he will also find like a little Marcus Morris, like one, two, maybe right. into a pull-up sort of game. But you're right. I, I don't think, I don't think he has that right now. I think it's like max one dribble. Yeah. But if you get to like two or more than that, he's, he looks like a center dribbling the ball, right. which is, which is problematic. And the la- and we don't need to talk forever about him. And the the last thing though, that I think, and you touched on it a little bit and something that we can't like watching film, you can watch as many hours as you want, but it's like the mentality and his personality and what type of like, yeah, I like it kid from, from a million miles away. Yeah. It seems great, but like, you're right. That's the one thing in like coaching, like it matters. Mm-hmm. And like watching synergy for five hours, like you don't know what he's <laughs> like. Like, yeah. so that's the one thing. If he were like, have this great mentality and this unbelievable work ethic, which he might, I think it's going to be for a guy like that. It'll be it'll be huge. I agree. But we don't know. That's the one thing. It's like it's all opinion based. I I think on the other side of the coin, like Cole Anthony seems very mentally a very different mental makeup than Obi Toppin from afar for sure. From afar, but you know you're right. To to your point, we don't know. Right. We, We literally never talked to these guys. Never. Don't, don't know anything about it, but there's like a, your, your play also speaks volumes. Yeah. And like Obi Toppin's play speaks like selfless teammate, but also knows like he's the guy. Right. Cole Anthony has like woke up at age six and thought he was the guy. Yeah. And he, you know what? Most of his life he was pretty much all the way up until this year yeah. where he sometimes was, you know, and I mean, we, we can get into him, uh, we'll get into him, but like in more detail, he was a tough watch for me. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think it's easy to get turned off just right away based on how bad North Carolina was. Like they had their worst year in 15 years and like, so it's okay. How bad were they? They're, I think they were... I mean, no, they're just like watching them. Like, I know the... the terrible. Like, I thought they were horrible. How can... I, I, I just... I don't get how how North Carolina can be so terrible. Especially like, with the number one, number two recruit in the country, too. I, that's why it's like... But we watched. Remember, we yeah, watched. No, I we watched. Were, it was bad. It looked, it, 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 it looked bad. But I just... <laughs> part of me goes, did Cole Anthony make that a bad team? Right. Like from a team standpoint. And I think so that's going to be the two sides of the argument. Were they yeah. bad because of Cole Anthony or were they bad because Cole Anthony had bad players around him? Yeah, right, right, right. And okay. I think if you're pro-Cole Anthony, you're going to blame the system and you're going to blame the spacing and the teammates. And if you're anti-Cole Anthony, you're going to say, well, right. if you're that good, then don't be 10 and 20, whatever your, your record. So it's Right, and then I'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth because I've been saying to you, I was saying on the podcast last week, like I think Anthony Edwards is the best player in this draft. He had a terrible record too. He had quote-unquote bad teammates, and I am like saw all the way through it and have still found a way to be excited about him. But the huge difference to me is like, put those guys standing next to each other. Yeah. Like Anthony Edwards, 
<laughs> that guy looks like he's going to kick your ass, and Cole Anthony is, like, tiny. Right. Or th- not even tiny. He's just, like, a weird shape. Well, and uh, how many guys are, like, are there like Cole Anthony who are 6'2", 6'3", like, decent athletes, pretty good shooters? Like, what separate what, – when you watch him, what do you look at and you're like, okay, that's what separates him? Because Anthony Edwards has a bunch of flaws, but, like, you watch that and he makes some plays where you're like, okay, damn, like, he's – different yes I think Cole Anthony becomes his own version of different if he's if he approximates uh Trey Young he has to be like he he kind of has to have that right and like he might be you know what to his credit like the one thing that pops out for me with him is he's a legit shooter I I think I think he is I mean the shots were so tough he still shot 35 percent like I think he'll be in the league he'll be a guy who finds a way to be a solid NBA shooter. You yeah. shaking your head. No, I, I agree. I think he's going to be, he's like your, your typical good, decent to good stats on a terrible team type of guy. Yep. He's going to score 15 a game for the Knicks or for a team that's like. Does Trey Young fit in that bin? I mean, the Hawks have been awful for two I years. I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. I would say no, just because I think Trey – I mean, he's. I don't think Cole Anthony is going to start in an All Star game in his second year in the league. Yeah, which Fan, fans vote on. That. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> I, like, know, I know what you're saying though. Yeah, he Trey Trey has become a legit, and I think Trey is like a good Trey's NBA a world class shooter. Like mm-hmm. Trey is one of the best shooters totally. in the world. But th- that's my that's my point is I, I'm not saying I think he's there. I think like Cole Anthony has to be close to that as a shooter to be really good and to be really good in the NBA. When you watch him shoot, do you do you no think no, he's going to no, be like no. a good shooter? No, I don't. I, I think I, he's going to be fine. That's what I'm saying. I think he's going to be fine. But I guess my original point, how many 6'2", six, 6'3", six, how tall is he? You have the measurements. Okay, yeah. Sorry, I should have said that. 6'3", in shoes, 6'4", wingspan, 190 pounds. Yeah. And not, you wouldn't say he's a great athlete, would you? No. So, again, with the sizes thing, because this is like my draft fetish, is like looking up size comps. and That's like your size. I know. <laughs> he what which is bad. Yeah, that um, wasn't a compliment. Yeah. He you go to the com you go to these combine measurements and there's like three dudes, four dudes per draft who have six four wingspans or shorter. What what he is. And then I know that's kind of a weird thing. You can be like, well, how important is that for a point guard? But it's it's just rare. Like it's kind of like a barrier to entry of being in the league. Yeah. Because there's like whatever three or four of these guys with sub six four wingspans, and like on average, like two of two or three of them per draft are these like five foot ten lightning bug guys who weigh like 170 pounds. Right. And then maybe there's one per draft who's like over six feet, and is kind of like squat, like Cole Anthony is. Like literally from any recent draft, the closest comp is Tyus Jones, who's six two. Measure six two in shoes, six five wingspan, one eighty five. Yeah, like like that's that's the closest thing. He's bigger than Trey Young, inch inch tall. Like Cole Anthony is an inch taller than Trey Young, inch another inch in wingspan, ten more pounds heavy. But like Trey Young is the smallest of the small, right? Too. So it's just like this because he is like he weighs one ninety, which is like not that is kind of thick, but doesn't doesn't really have it in any sort of length or 
or height, and it doesn't really pop athletically either. It it is also a weird sort of breed of player. Yeah. No, I agree. If how long has Tyus been in the league now? Is he going into he's cat, f- five years? He's so he's going. Years. He's just finished year five. Yeah, if this year's over, <laughs> I'm assuming this year's yeah. over. So if and this is a little bit off topic, if you could guarantee in five years that Cole Anthony is yeah, you doing the same thing as Tyus, would you say that's successful or no? No. And do you think he like if you had to bet, would you bet that he's as good as Tyus Jones is in Tyus's fifth year in the league? Um. Well, I think like. Cole Anthony is going to take more shots as a rookie than Tyus did in his all four years Probably. in Minnesota. So he's going to like... Would Memphis trade Tyus for the rights to Cole Anthony? It's not... It's a hypothetical, and I know yeah, it doesn't... No, no, I, I know you're saying... It, um, I, I think yes, because like... You know Cole what Tyus Anthony, is. Yeah, like Cole Anthony could be more than what Tyus sure. Jones is. Tyus Jones is a backup point guard in the NBA. I, I think a, a good backup point yeah. guard in the NBA. I think, unlike Cole Anthony, Tyus can defend some, even at a small size. Like, he has the basketball IQ to do that. Which but, is crazy, though, because when Tyus was coming out of Duke, the knock on him was, like, he's not going to be able to guard anybody. Well, this goes back to our theory of, like, totally. we don't know what the hell yeah. we're talking about. And, like, there defense. were games, Tyus' freshman year, and I watched a ton of those games where – I was like, okay, they have to take Tyus out of the game. Like, because the other team's guard would just, you know, it'd be like Georgia Tech's, like, random yeah. point guard who I'd never, like, just abusing Tyus. So, like, that's where, I don't know. Like, like Cole Anthony's going to get abused like that in the league, I, yeah, I think. I would, initially, I would think. And then, unless he, I mean, Tyus has gone from being a sub average defender to, right. I don't know how I good think of, Tyus put on weight. And I think what Ty, I, I still don't think Tyus is a very good point of attack defender. But I think Tyus is very good if you can put him in like an off-ball situation. I think that's what he was like, you know, go back to the year like the Wolves made the playoffs and they would more like throw Jimmy at the point of attack guy and then Tyus could kind of play a little bit of free safety on like the two. Right. Like he, Tyus had very good instincts in like jumping passing lanes and stuff. He played his head on a swivel. And with Cole Anthony, that's like one of the things in my notes is I'm like, he he doesn't turn his head ever. Right. Like he... He demands to guard the guy bringing the ball up the floor. Like I, you saw him, and he would like he would like swipe a guy away. And be like, no, I got him. And it's like, well, why? You're not good at that. Yeah, and it's not. I mean, Tyus is like one of the smartest basketball players I've ever watched. Yeah. So it's not really fair. Like Tyus's IQ is just off the charts. Right, and and that wasn't what I was getting at. I was getting at the size, like because I feel yes. like we know what that is. And I'm just telling you, like I went, I went, I'm going through each of these draft classes. And really, nobody comes up as 6'3", 6'4", 190. Until I go back, and there's three, right? I did the last 10 drafts. And I think it was the, this is the 2010 and the 2009 draft. Three guys are like dead ringers for the size. Jimmer Ferdet, 6'2 and a half, 6'4 and a half, 196. Kyrie Irving, 6'3 and a half, 6'4, 191. Steph Curry, 6'3, 6'3 and a half, 181. (laughs) <laughs> Obviously, that's a massive spectrum right there. But it does go to the point. I mean, that's it's if it works, it's Kyrie. Like, right. or it's a poor man's version of Kyrie. Right. For Cole Anthony. And, like, we can rip on what we, what we saw this year. But, you know what? There might actually be some evidence to the point that, you know, North Carolina was trash this year. Like, everyone right. around him. Um, I know a lot of people, like, hate the system they run there for, like, as far as it comes to developing NBA prospects. Uh, I mean, if we 
give any credit to the high school basketball like rankers. Cole Anthony was like a phenom, you know, yeah. coming up. He was, I think he was the, what, number four recruit or something, something like he that? He was I, number I, two on ESPN behind okay. Wiseman, I think. Yeah, so, so it's like a year ago, it wouldn't have been crazy to be having a conversation that Cole Anthony could be the next Kyrie Irving. Right. Well, and he was also, like, at this time last year, he was, like, borderline number one overall pick. Like, if he, mm-hmm. were, if he were to leave from high school, right. he would have been a top five pick. Um, so there's no de- – there's like, you can't deny the talent. Like, he's obviously good, but it's just, like, watching okay, what, him. What is, he, what is he good at? I'm not saying he isn't good at anything, but, but if you're going – if you're looking for the – looking at him through rose-colored glasses, what do you, like – those are like legit NBA skills that are going to translate. I mean, I think he's a good scorer, and I think he's capable of scoring at the rim, getting to the line. He'll shoot pull-ups, and he'll shoot like he he can score from everywhere. I don't know if it's efficient, but he's mm-hmm. capable of doing sure. it. Um, I mean, he averaged I think eighteen or nineteen a yeah, game. Yeah, eighteen and a half. I mean, his, his raw stats. Yeah, eighteen and a half, five point seven rebounds. I was like, what? And, and four assists. Like yeah. good raw counting numbers. Thirty-five percent shooting. I'll give him credit. Yeah. Like. Hard threes. Well, and is that when I I watched? I went back and watched every single one of his shot attempts. And what stood out to me, he does not get anything easy. Like every single one of his shots are like tough, hand in his face, runner. Like he just doesn't create anything easy for himself. That's what. Okay, I'm glad you put it like that because I'm sorry, I'm not I'm not putting that all on your teammates. Like totally. at, at some point, you're you're putting yourself in situations to yes. take difficult shots or choosing to take yeah. them. And I, I like okay, maybe his teammates hurt him in that, but there, there's just other things, and there's other specifics where he he doesn't take floaters. Like, and I think that's a huge part about Trey Young. I think it's super, obviously the two main things that are underrated about Trey is Trey's an elite passer, and Trey has this floater game from yeah. all over the place. But with Trey, what I love about Trey, and what I think the best floater guys in the NBA level are, is they're taking those floaters moving north south. So there's just like time to kind of like load up with it and, and take it like directly on looking at the basket. Then there's like other guys who don't like plan to take a floater and find themselves like in a spot where they're floating. And you remember how we'd always make fun of Rubio for like he'd like get to the basket, but then he would have to kind of go east west into like a, a like a fading rather like a fading shot to the right or the left from floater range rather than just straight up being able to take a, a floater right there. And that's what I see with Cole Anthony is he's like, oh, I'm getting to the rim. And then he's there and he's like, oh, now I got to like power off my left foot to like fade away to the right or whatever on the other side of the floor. And it's this, it's just such a harder shot to take an eight foot shot when you're fading east west, I think, than when you're just moving north south, taking a floater in and that it, sort of range. And if it looks that difficult in college, like what is it going to look like at the next level mm-hmm. when guys are bigger, stronger, fat? Like it's not going to get any easier for him. And that's where I worry about, like if he shot 38% from the field at North Carolina, yeah, six of 16 a game, like what is, what is that going to look like? Because he's not a great passer. He's not a great, def- like what is, what is his game going to look like? at the next level offensively. Like, is it going to be the just, same? It, like, the only way it works is if we're just so wrong about it actually being his whole team's fault. Right. And and I think he, like, if it works, he's just going to be a difficult shot maker in the league. That's what Kyrie Irving yeah. is. And, but watching Kyrie, Kyrie makes unbelievably tough shots. Like, ever, he's known for that, right? The layups and the – he also gets some 
because he's quick and he's got a great handle. Like mm-hmm. he also gets himself really good looks. That's true. That's true. And then he kind of like supplements it with Correct. difficult looks. Yeah. Like he's capable of beating his guy off the dribble and getting an uncontested shot. Whereas maybe Cole Anthony is, but I didn't see it watching his film. I didn't see it watching his film either. I think a, an underrated thing about Kyrie is he's a really efficient mid-range shooter. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm kind of talking about. When you're, when you're that size, that's what I was kind of getting at with the floater stuff, is you have to have something in between. It's, they can't just be threes and, and getting to the basket because at some point teams are just going to, like, if you're hot from three, they're just going to – and you're six – like they do with Trey all the time. They're going to throw two defenders at you and make you either, you know, pass out of it or dribble through it. And, and then, you know, you're gonna, you get to the rim and it's always going to be difficult to finish. Right. So what are you going to do in the in-between area? And, and, what, and I think of like last year, I don't have this like in front of me, but – I think it was like Al Horford, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant were like the best volume mid-range shooters in the league. It was like close to close to fifty percent, and and like that that's super valuable because you're kind of getting that in like a broken set sort of thing. Yep. I think I think a guy of Cole Anthony's build. I, I don't know. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is he needs to pursue a Kyrie Irving path. Yeah. And that's just really going to be hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not easy to be <laughs> like so so then my question is what is he if he can't be that what if he just doesn't have that what if he does because he's right the handle he doesn't have the handle Kyrie has like the best handle in the league like what what does he become yeah I don't know it's a probably a high volume shooter that's a backup point guard that's if I were if I were betting that's what I would bet on he ends up being I think so too. he's a backup point guard who averages like 13 a game on a non-playoff team I'm just telling you, dude, the guy, I, when I'm going through dudes that are this, were that height yeah. and weight, I only could list a couple because those were the only names you'd recognize. Yeah. Like there's other dudes who have been this size. Who they just, just fizzled conf- out. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, Steph and Kyrie, and it's like, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, it's just the best shooter ever, the guy, the best ball best handle ever. ever. <laughs> and like, so it's. Or Jimmer. <laughs> yeah. Well, we talk, we've talked about this kind of jokingly, but what separated, like, why was Steph so much better than Jimmer? And it, I think it's because Steph was a little bit better shooter and a little bit better handle. And that slight difference is like, so if you're not, if you're a, step, a, a small step yeah. below that, like, there are a lot of guys like that. And I look at Cole Anthony, it's like, he's not, a, he doesn't handle the ball as well as Kyrie. He doesn't shoot the ball as well as Steph. Like, there's a lot of guys who fit his mold. That like if he wasn't the second overall recruit in the country last year, I don't know where we'd be. Yeah, dude, I don't get it. I mean, that's what I'm like. That's the only thing I'm holding on to of like being when I look at his resume that I'm impressed about. Yeah, I don't. I don't know where it came from. So maybe I got to go back and watch like Nike EYBL film or whatever right. to, to see what he was. I mean, maybe he was. But the last stat that like probably is the most alarming is in pick and rolls. He there when he was a primary ball handler in pick and rolls, point six eight points per possession. Oh God, which is abysmal. And yeah. that can be teammates. I get that. Like they no, can, but he was a bad passer too he, out of it. But then ha, you know, or bad decision maker, I guess, because like sometimes he can make good passes. But I would say it's more decision making. Yeah, I mean, he averaged about four assists, but he had close to four. Like so, his assist to turnover ratio was. Right. I don't know. I just watching him, he doesn't strike me as a guy that like. 
it might again it might be the team it might be the system but yeah and we don't know that but watching him it's like nothing really jumps out at you other than like high volume shooter that like might get hot and have some big game but like so what would he look like on the wolves let's just say they just do that well which basically i'm just saying you're putting him next to d'angelo russell what does that look like i mean i don't think those guys can play together right like right. at all so you're looking at you're looking at anthony as a purely a backup point guard to russell and if and so if you and if you think d'angelo russell is going to play you don't 35, think you don't think you could get like 10 minutes a game of the two of them i mean can cole anthony's not going to guard twos can can d'lo well d'lo is taller he's d'lo, taller for d'lo, sure isn't a good defender, but like the one thing that I think is important to remember in any sort of like Timberwolves adding wings conversation going forward is that like he is six five. Yeah. Um six five, I think like six ten, six nine wingspan, something like that. So like he has like the physical makeup. Like D'Lo needs to just try harder on defense yeah. and learn how to defend better. I think like I think there's a world where the Wolves add a legit spark plug point guard but maybe it's like a bench role guy where, where they are playing together. Like, I, I do think D'Lo can play with another lead ball handler. My concern when I think about Cole Anthony, though, is I'm like, uh, from what I watched, because I, I focused more on the defensive stuff, is like, he's pretty close to a zero. Right. Like, I don't know. Like, it, and so you go, because it could happen, because whatever, you know, like, they could totally view this differently, but... You come out of the draft, and you have Cole Anthony, Deandre Russell, Cat, you know, Malik Beasley. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, that's just a terrible defensive team. Right. And not that – the only other thing that – who's going to be the Wolves' backup point guard right now? Like, who when D'Lo's on the bench, who's going to be their <laughs> ball handler? Well, it's been – I mean, they literally just, like they, – they traded Shabazz Napier and Jeff Teague, so yep. it, it was Jordan McLaughlin – for who I don't know, so like I guess my point is like my point is that spot's kind of up for grabs. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. So like yeah. they might look at it like that's a valuable spot. Like there are a lot of good point guards in the league, and having two, if they think he's going to be like, that's what I'm saying. I guess I could see it if they're like, all right, he's going to be the backup, so he'll get the 18 minutes a game. D'Lo doesn't play. Yep. Plus we'll play him. And if he's good, they'll find together. a way to play him together. Yeah. That's like from the Wolves standpoint, why they would take him if they think he's it's the just, best point guard in the draft and he's yeah. going to be. Because if you look historically, the best point guard in the drafts are always really, really good. Yep. Like, if you go look at any draft, the mm-hmm. best point guard in that draft is really good. And so it's true. if the Wolves or whoever think Cole Anthony is going to be the best point guard, then draft him. Like, then take him and have him back up D'Lo for a year or two and go from there. Yeah. Like, so, so you said at the beginning when, when I kind of brought up Anthony Edwards, you were like, well, that just makes more sense because you got D'Lo at the one, Cat at the five. You got more space in the middle. But really, you can like you can make an argument against drafting any position too, right? Where you go like with Anthony Edwards, I brought this up with Charlie last week. I was like, okay, so so assume you bring back Malik Beasley. Now you have another starting spot open at the three, right? Well, Josh Okogi and Jarrett Culver were your first round picks the last two years. Right. You're just ready to punt on that. Like it's not actually a no brainer that like three is the biggest position of need. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it's the four because you like. You, you don't really have anyone there, but you did just trade for like Hernan Gomez. And then it gets more complicated if you can only have like stretch bigs. Right. So, well, I think you just summarized it. Why would they need to trade the, like if that's yeah. your mindset, like that's why they need to trade the pick that they're, they're first of their two picks. I I'm with you. It just, it just, who I don't know. There's no way you and I can know 
what, let's say they get the fifth pick, what the fifth pick plus Jarrett Culver gets you, or what the fifth pick plus, you know, James Johnson as a package. But it just, I'm not just trying to be like a guy who loves trades. Like, I, I don't I don't see how this, trading this pick isn't objectively like the best move if they can get any sort of, they can get like any sort of value back for it. I agree. And I think that's also the benefit of having the 16th overall pick is in yep. a draft like this, that is no, like it's wide open. Like if you look at Kevin O'Connor's mock draft yep. versus like NBA draft, like it's almost a different draft. So like the 16th pick could easily be as good as the fourth or the fifth or the sixth player. Dude, could, could Obi Toppin go 16th? It's one of these guys is going to drop. Like, could Cole Anthony go 16th? I would bet Obi is more likely to drop, given his age and everything we talked about earlier. But, yeah, one of these guys, every year it happens, one of these guys who you think is going to be a top six or seven pick drops. And so, like, I think, I think Obi at 16, I wouldn't bet on it, obviously, but I think it's possible. And then that looks a lot better. You trade the four, the, the five. and Dude, I, I, I'm with you. It would just be crazy if Obi Toppin went 16th because he's so – Clearly, the best basketball player yeah. available. You like, know, call, currently, if you went and if you went and said, "All right, everybody in the lottery, like, come out here. We're gonna play pickup today. You know, pick your fives. Yeah. Like Obi Toppin absolutely destroys that game. Yeah. Marvin Bagley would have destroyed the game a couple That's years a ago good too. Point. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, Ob- long story short, Obi is a better pick. Is a better fit. Yes. Between these two guys on the Wolves, because um, it kind of fits my whole like Aaron Gordon theory I've had the whole time of like a sort of smaller ball four. Um, you know, that's if you believe that he's a four rather than a five. And maybe, um, maybe. I mean, yeah, it's just to us. Right. He looks like he's going to be best used. I think so. I think as, there's no question as a five. But if the Wolves drafted him, that's not an option. Right. So then you then you try and like square peg that into the round hole and say right he's um, he's the four. You got anything else you wanna you wanna pop in here? I think we're at about an hour. That's that's good with me. Um, no, I think we'll do we'll do another one. Well, particularly if the world keeps yeah. being shut down. This is a good excuse to hop on Synergy and watch get hours. some sort of basketball fix right now. I know. Okay, so the, here here's last, my last thing. Everyone is complaining. About oh, oh it's, I can't wait until basketball's back. Oh, I can't wait until I, I don't know. It's like rerun. We've got to watch reruns of this. It's like I league pass is free for everyone. Yeah, I know not not everybody has synergy, but like there's like maybe I'm just a like NBA nerd, but like you could just go turn on like like Jason Tatum was awesome this year. Why yeah. don't like rather than watching like re-watching a movie you've watched for the 10th time, like right. go turn on a Celtics game. Yes. And if you work at home, like the majority of, unless yeah. you're like a doctor or working, doing all that great work. If you're working at home, like the majority of us, you have time. <laughs> like don't try to act like you don't have time to watch a game. I, I know that's what I'm saying. And it's I, even to the rerun things. I, I like whenever the wolves have been doing these ones, I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I want to watch like 90. It, it has been fun. I yeah. also said to like sit down and be like, you know, for the next two hours, I'm going to eat dinner and watch like KG play the Bulls. Last night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's um, so, yes, it'll be way better. It'll be way better when real basketball is back. But I don't feel like anybody has taken advantage of the fact that League Pass is free. They made it free. I don't know. Right. Go, go watch it. And YouTube has all these games that totally. are archived. Like it's, totally. you can get a basketball fix. Thank God um, for Synergy. <laughs> all right. That's Wildeberg. Um, you can, what's your Twitter? At. You even know W to Berg 14. I think. There you go. Um, I'll, I'll, it'll be in the, it'll be in the show notes and 
in the, the tweet for this pod. You can follow Will. Again, he's a, a coach um, here locally at the University of St. Thomas. Appreciate you coming on and doing this. We'll choose – we haven't really figured it out. We'll choose two more guys. Maybe some international guys next time. Yes, that would be – that'd be good. Yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll dig into that. So, again, that's Will DeBerg. I'm Dane at Dane Moore NBA. Until next week, peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it all so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.